Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good to see you all. My name is Jerome. If I've never got a chance to meet you, hello. We're continuing a series called Connect. The point being that we are hardwired for connection in two areas, to connect with God and to connect with people. And this relationship with God makes us whole through Jesus, and then now we can be the body of Christ and be an extension of God's grace and commitment as we serve one another and we're in relationship. Now, today's message is going to be one that, just to set the, the table real quick, this is the kind of message that could invoke a response that says, man, that sermon was about me. Was that, did someone tell you about my life? And I will say this, sermon's not about just you, but it's for sure probably about you at some level. And no, no one told me about your life. This is for all of us today. Today is titled, Connect with God and People Through a Life of Ongoing Repentance. Connect with God and people through a life of ongoing repentance. One of the quickest ways we can interrupt the connection with God is to choose to live a life in sin. Now, Jesus doesn't lose any of his sheep. You're in the fold. God will, his grace that saved you is the grace that will sustain you, and ultimately, he who began a good work will see it through to completion. But at some level, if we choose to continue to practice a life of sin without repenting and getting back up, well, no wonder then the frequency gets a little distorted or we feel that God is distant or there's clouds and we can't really see past situations. And there's a journey at life was we're walking on the narrow path, ups, downs, highs, lows. We're all going to experience at some point either internal temptations that there's sin going on and even an external action where there has to be some form of repentance. And to have connection, to use an example of power, when you're connected to the power source, you can turn on the lights. And when there's no power, you can't turn on the light. Well, the lights are on when we're in Jesus Christ, whom the sun set free is free indeed. That power never runs out. It's fully connected all the time. And then as we choose to connect with the body and the bride of Christ, the people in relationship, community, then we are now living a power grid together. The light is on together. But we could still go home and choose to walk in darkness. And in our life, as we continue to bring our lives and examine our life before God, we're able to say, God, I want you to have full control of me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. You can read along on the screen. You can write some of these verses down. We'll cover a fair amount of scripture today because the prayer would be that we would wrestle, not only in this moment, but we would wrestle at home this week. Not in the spirit of condemnation, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Verse 15, but as the one who called you is holy. God called you, and the one who called us is what? Holy. 
you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is perfect, pure. We can't even begin to fathom such holiness, the weight of it, the glory, the purity. And sometimes when we get close to God and we've been walking with God for a while, when we let God be God in our life, we realize how perfect and without flaw he is. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And then when we're in God's presence, things that we even maybe didn't know that we needed to repent of years prior, that now we're convicted about. And we could ought to start to justify and be like, God, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Why am I convicted even about my motive? Why am I convicted about what I, uh, the smallest of things? And I, and I think may, because it's like this, many times the closer we get to God, the further away we feel because God is holy in comparison to us. So then what, what closes us in that moment? Well, it's Jesus that closes us in his moment and, and, and we, we, we get to then drink from the well of grace again. Look at 1 John chapter 1, 6 and 7. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship with God, to be in connection with God, means we do not practice darkness and if we are in darkness, we are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light, because why? He is light. We have fellowship also with one another. The closer we are to God individually and collectively, well, then it's natural. We're going to be close together. But there is a whole drop-down menu of things that happen in life, trauma, wounds, hurts in church, uh, abuses, perspectives, experiences that are true, not true, my truth, whose truth, and it's hard to even get to objective truth, but we know that God is true. So when we're walking in the light with him, that, we, that God is the one that could bring us together, God is the one that can connect us, and it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Sin and darkness taints our connection with God and often destroys and damages our connection with people. I'm going to say it again because it's this is the point of the message, that sin and darkness taints our connection with God. It doesn't break it when we're in Jesus. Now, if you're not, if you haven't accepted Jesus, well, then you absolutely are an enemy of God because of your sin. But God's love for me and you sends his only begotten son, that if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have everlasting life. We can be made brand new because of God's love but it's hard to even fathom that because we start to insert shame, guilt, blame. Why would God love me if I'm a sinner? He loves you because he made you. And he doesn't want sin to be the final banner and 
statement over our lives. There's a new story, a new master, a new Lord, a new way, a new life. And then we walk it out through sanctification on this journey. But if we continue to then not be discipled or to be honest, and then the sin that could be in our lives in the darkness, it taints that connection with God. And it often destroys and damages our connection with people. I wonder how much hidden sin in our lives is the reason that our relationships are not feeling the chemistry and synergy that we all long for. See, sin is a big deal. And in our culture, it'll be feel, God, of your thought, what do you think? I don't want that. Today, I want to remember that the standard is be holy because God is holy. Jesus died because of sin. And he didn't just die. He took the punishment and drank the cup of wrath because of sin. There's other reasons because one, he's carrying out the mission from the Father and it's a mission full of love, but it's to destroy sin. It's a big deal. First John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, the power of confession. To confess to God. That's what happens through salvation. We ask God for forgiveness, and he forgives us because of Jesus. Therefore, we now, this isn't a sermon on forgiving others. This is more a sermon on holiness in light of who God is. But when we remember that we've been forgiven, we naturally then have to get to a place at some level for our own health and our own freedom to forgive other people. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to forget or instantly be best buddies with somebody and without boundaries or without tact or reason that there needs to be some repair or foundation. And I will say this one thing, that I find this sometimes abused on both sides. Forgive me, and when someone's forgiven, it's like, oh, everything's restored instantly. It's like, yo, whoa, we're all humans. There's like, let's work this thing out. God, he cleanses us, but then we're repairing from there, amen? And that's just facts because sin affects our relationships on this planet, There's natural consequences. And a lot of us, we don't ever want to stay to let the process work out. Again, now we're getting to, is this sermon about me? No, but yes. This is a typo, but it's supposed to say, honesty heals, deception destroys. Honesty heals, deception destroys whether that's self-deception, intentional deception, or deception from somebody else. Because we're scared of how they're going to respond. But when we're centered with God, even if they don't respond the way you want and you trust God is leading and put that person in your life, a lot of times if you get in the vehicle long enough, it'll lead you to a place of freedom. 
There's been times in my life where God has put me around leaders or situations or people that during ongoing repentance, it didn't go exactly how I thought I wanted to, but if, when I was resisting what God wanted to do, therefore I wasn't uh, able to fully receive what God was trying to teach me through people that he strategically put in my life. But the more I would then let it happen, I would become more like him. And of course that process is grueling. It's many nights where you're in the cave alone, you're in the secret place, you're wrestling. I mean, Israel, the name of it simply means wrestle so that the children of Israel wrestle it's a wrestle with God and obviously it's Jacob Israel but there's a part of that that we all wrestle with ourselves we wrestle with God we're wrestling with the will of God manifesting in our lives but if we're honest before God not deceiving before God because he already knows who you fake it so what would we do well we want to be honest with God we want to be honest with ourselves before we got to anybody else, be honest with God, because he already knows, and be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror, and then be honest with others. So there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is when I am grieved, or I feel a check in my spirit that would lead to change in action that would be godly. And every time God wants to change me, he will be involved in the process and he will lead the way. He will shepherd us. He will lead us beside still waters and green pastures and we abide in him. We're complete in Christ. And when we let God sanctify us, he's pruning us that work. But condemnation is how the enemy will use that, that what seems to be a, a similar feeling and this is why it's key to discern the two. Uh, this is what I believe. My belief is that when we're convicted, if we don't start to heed and create space for that feeling, it'll start to lead to condemnation, which would be phase two, which now we're mistaking the voice of God and what he wants to do in our life. We're attributing to, that it's because that the enemy is condemning us, but we're associating that and we're applying that feeling to God and even God's people. Well, it's condemning. I need to hide. It doesn't make me feel good. So then what happens is if we choose to live a life of sin, we then get numbed and callous to the point where I don't even know anymore. We're sleepwalking. And that's the scariest place to be. And that takes the power of God. It doesn't matter how many people check you. When I was in this state, it didn't matter who told me I was in sin. There was many times I thought I was quoting the Bible. There's a story I've told many times. I'm at a basketball tournament. I get kicked out. I, a dude hits me in the face. I hit him back. The ref sees it, kicks me out. I'm super bummed because this is Gus Macker, which in our equivalent, that would be equivalent to the NBA title for us. So we're trying to go to the NBA championship. I'm so mad I'm kicked out. I think I, I, I'm following God in, indirectly because I'm listening to Wu-Tang and they call everybody gods and, and, and I'm on the sideline and I'm just you know, yelling like crazy. This dude comes up to me and he goes, man, chill out. And I go, man, I'm just being like Christ, uh, eye for an eye. <laughs> That's the furthest thing away from Christ. That's not the golden rule. Do unto others you wish they'd do unto you. Christ forgave me. And then I realized I was plagiarizing the author and I was only quoting, you know, maybe a partial truth for a different, and then that was actually a different God. And, and then well, thank God for repentance, you know. Thank God for change, but thank God for heeding to truth over time. Because you gotta let the Lord cook you. It might take a decade, y'all. It might take two decades. It'll take a lifetime. Who are we kidding? But conviction from God is good. Romans 8, us and Jesus, 
Verse 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There's no condemnation because the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. But since we're free, we have to remember, as John 15 teaches us, that the Father prunes our lives so that we would bear more fruit. And often the pruning looks like getting sin out of our lives, getting certain relationships that lead us to sin, recalibrating them, putting them in a new prioritization, maybe for a season, but maybe forever. Because if God is God and he set you free, whose allegiance are we rolling with? James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. Conviction leads to confession. And I know for some of us, our heart's beating a little faster because we might be thinking, is there going to be a mic on stage and we're going to do public confession in this place? Now, though, that could be super profitable. I will say that. That's not the spirit of this sermon, at least what I would hope to convey. It's that if we confess our sins to God, forgiveness is instant all the time. And in Jesus, that what he did on the cross, it is finished, final. He won. We can be one. We move forward. But then we're repenting to God throughout our life as we are making mistakes. We're asking God for help and guidance, and he's leading us and teaching us. But he created this amazing miracle of confession to the body of Christ that we would pray for one another. And that is hard to think of because some people we've entrusted with our story and we felt like they abused it. Now, we can never ensure that anyone is gonna respond the way we want and how they use our story could be a form of God. Who knows, right? It's very, there's nuance to this in all sides. But one thing, a principle to be true, this passage teaches us that confession to one another brings healing. It's like confession to God, we're whole, but then the healing of the situation to break this pattern, to break this cycle, to break this practice comes with me and you now. And here's the thing. It's not how many know. It's just, does somebody know? It's normally not even the act or the moment or the situation. It's then how do we respond to what happened? We don't let the discipline, we don't let the training, we don't let the course correction, we don't let the consequences or the things fall and then begin to repair from there. It's not how many who, that know, it's just that does someone know? So even this week, there might be somebody that you would reach out to and just say, hey, it could be a counselor. I can't field everyone's email this week. You might think it's, well, I want to tell the pastor. <laughs> We're the body of Christ. You can tell any believer. I think that is a distinction to make a believer of Jesus. So conviction leads to confession. And how do we respond? 
Maybe this sentence would help you. Mistakes deserve a quick funeral and a slow reflection. I'm grieved. God, I'm convicted. Forgive me. And what you often find is, man, his mercy shows up in ways that we almost then want to say, well, what do I got to do to make it right with you? And he'll just shower you with grace and shower you with love. Be a waterfall of forgiveness. You know, and that's what starts to then bring real change because you think, if God loves me in this state, <laughs> wow. But it shouldn't take this state then to obey. As we then reflect, now think of like sackcloth and ashes to say, oh, I'm grieved. Why, God? Why? Why was I here again? Oh, no, you know. And of course, you could navel gaze too long where you're just looking down as woe is me and I'll never be good enough. Okay, there's a spectrum to all of this. But the other side could be, God forgives me. I'm gonna go do whatever I want. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was little John, sample. <laughs> there's a war for our life and sin, of course, Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, and talking about Moses and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. Sin is pleasurable, but it does not last. It's fleeting. It does not last. It doesn't last. Now, there's different types of sin. There could be that we want to be God, we are glorious. It could be money and greed. There can be sexual. There's all different types of sin. We could have hate, which Jesus says, if you hate your brother, it's equivalent to murder. And it's like, wow, Jesus, why are you such a buzzkill? I, I thought the, the Ten Commandments was enough. Why are you taking it next further? And he's taking it so far because every single person is born into sin in need of a Savior, and the wages of sin is death. And no one can come to the Father but through Jesus. And he was trying to say, if anyone thinks you can come to the Father based upon your actions and you think you're good enough, look, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And this is why we could get saved as a prodigal, if you know the story. We could get saved that we were eating in the pig pen. We were living out there wild. We were out with prostitutes. We spent all of our Father's money and we come back home. And then now he clothes us with a robe, he throws a party, and we're back in the family, and we think, wow, how would God accept me? How would my father bring me back home? But then we start to then work and obey, and now we find ourselves in the older brother state, judging and condemning and think, well, why is that person getting to come home to God? I've seen that play out in my life. Of all people, I got a testimony that's like, man, who would, how could I ever boast on anything obedient I did? When I just chart out my life, like, fail, fail, God help, oh my goodness, mercy, if God wasn't there in that moment, I wouldn't be here, wow, 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 but then I start getting obedient for a little while, and I think, dang, that person's bothering the living daylights out of me, Dad, talking to God. They get to get in too, again? Now somebody thinks this sermon's about them. It's not. It's about all of us. I love you. For time's sake, I'm not, maybe write this down. A good passage to, to look at would be Ephesians 5, verse 1 through 21. Ephesians 5, verse 1 through 21. And we're going to go to uh, the 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 passage. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who, sexu who is sexually immoral sins against his own body, don't you know that your body is a temple? Here's the point. Like, why do we have a body? 
Hear this loud and clear. Kids, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Parents, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Grandparents, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Because a lot of times how we preach this is flee sexual sin. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's sin that shows us in the scriptures. You don't negotiate with it, you run. You're like Joseph, you just run. But oftentimes, I've, in my life, negotiate, you try to get yourself out of it, and you, look, you can't negotiate the heat of the moment. <laughs> you have to run. But then we tell people, run from sexual sin. When we, really, why? Your body, who you are, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're meant to hold the Holy Spirit. Now it says, wow, okay, this is the purpose for my life. Holy Spirit is in me, who I have from God. And then it reminds me, look at how it continues. You are not your own. And this is why Here's what I want to do, God, doesn't fully let God be God. You were bought with a high price, so glorify God with your body. And there might be new PRs, so personal records. I remember it was like a sanctification journey. If you go from, you know, living in the world at a level that I was, I mean, there's just incremental steps that I, I, I remember, okay, just one practical example, and you can apply this to sexual world too, but when I, I quit doing drugs, but alcohol was legal, so for two weeks, I started getting drunk, and I thought I could still be drunk and, and serve God fully. He delivered me of all these drugs, so I was like, well, dude, this is awesome. I'm delivered of drugs now. Why don't I just get drunk? I didn't know that drunk was a sin. I hadn't read that in the scriptures yet. It's like, we laugh, but I, I didn't know. So I'm drunk at the bar, and I remember in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, and it was the Holy Spirit breathed in that moment and said, this is how you repay me? <laughs> I bought you with the high price? Be sober. And that was the last time I was drunk. There was a new personal record. I didn't know what I didn't know, but once I have information, it would be better to never have not known than to know and not do something about it. So then once you know, now we are accountable to say, well, I got to live this new life and you know, like the people who got baptized to go from a baby to now growing up into the way of God, to learn more, to go from milk to meat, to get into mature, because why? We want connection with God and people through a life of ongoing repentance, not just once. God, forgive me. That's what I prayed there. And then over the time, like how my whole life was warped differently on how I was introduced to sexual experiences and many of us were introduced and it starts to then warp so much of our view and we don't even know that our body was made, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not our own. Now instantly, you might be convicted here today and say, well, what in the world do I do? Well, first thing is you just gotta be aware and acknowledge like, and repent to God. <laughs> and then he's gentle, he's patient. And he leads us from there. And this is where I'm going to end. I want to pull the worship team up. Well, there's other passages that I, I wish we could do a part two later. And, and maybe in group, this would encourage people to get into a group. Or you would call somebody this week and say, I want to dive in more to this. But here's a few of the passages, just to paraphrase. One is how we're supposed to view ourselves in holiness with God we're not, we're not first saying, oh, I know somebody who needs this message. Oh, I know their sin well. 
I can't wait to check them because that's why they're disconnected with God and they're disconnected with people. They need to repent. They need to change their mind. They need to turn their ways back to God. No, the scriptures say this. First, take out of the log in your own eye. Then approach them who have a speck in their eye. So it's as if all the time, this is where Christianity starts to then rubber meets the road and uh, where our flesh starts to really need to die to self is, uh, is, <laughs> is when instantly we want to condemn or even convict or be the judge with somebody else and correct them without first examining ourselves and realizing we have a log in that area. And even if we've worked on it for a while, there's still another pass of God's discipline, his pruning that can teach us another level. And then, this is hard for me. I am, in case you haven't figured this out yet, I'm fairly intense, fairly focused, and fairly passionate. And that's with high sarcasm. I, I, I joke around sometimes. I told Crystal, I think natively, if God wouldn't have saved me and sanctified me and, and having me learn more of what it's like to be a gentle father over time, I might have been the football coach. You saw headbutting somebody on the sidelines, right? And then um, isn't allowed to be in the game anymore. And, and now they'd get canceled at a level. Like, because that's just kind of my default setting or my hard wiring. And when God gets a hold of that, he can use that in a beautiful way. But the unfiltered version is to not instantly say, God, what's wrong with me? But when I realize the holy version, man, what I see in them, I see that in me. Let me first examine myself. And then it says this, you who are spiritual, scripture being, and when you find somebody in sin, gently approach them to restore them Restore means to bring someone back to its original place. What's their original place? You think pre-fall, back with God, oneness with God, heaven and earth meet, God and man. We get to be with God. There is no shame. We get to live naked. That was the first week of Connect. You can go back and listen to that one. Live naked and unashamed. And we want to gently restore somebody. So picture it gently. If you had a new baby and you were going to bring it to a different floor in the hospital, it would be so gentle, Right? That's how we're supposed to approach one another when we find somebody in sin. And it says, be careful, lest you fall. Romans 2 teaches us that it's God's kindness that brings us to repentance. So I end with this thought. Conviction from God is good. And confession to God first and people, second, is a gift. Conviction. And when God whispers, he says, hey, hey, I want to work with you in this area. Condemnation, you know what condemnation says? Look at how you failed. And you just keep being in that doom loop replay over and over and over again. Right now, by the power that is only in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, we cancel every condemning thought in this place. We cancel every moment of failure that would make you feel like you're in a place of shame and guilt, a place that you could never feel that you couldn't get back up. We cancel that right now by the power of Jesus, that God loves us so much and he's kind that when he shows you an area and he convicts you in an area, he's trying to turn the light on where once it was dark, now it's safe to see, to walk with God connected.
and to walk in fellowship connected with one another. And so then, therefore, we recognize that he's holy. But we got to take time and be still before the Lord and examine our hearts. So here's where we're going to close. You don't have to, but there's an invitation. We're going to ask everyone to just close their eyes. Close their eyes to create kind of an intimate moment between you and God. In an intimate moment to just ask God, where is it dark in my life? You might already know. It might have been highlighted during some of this message where the Holy Spirit was just tapping you on the shoulder and just gently whispering and saying, ah, I want to take that. I want to repair. I want to bring healing. And so now as with every eye closed, God, we're asking you, where have we been living in darkness? Where is the sin? He's gentle. He's gentle. He's not showing you to hurt you. He's showing you that area to bring light and healing. And what's so beautiful is that when he turns the light on, darkness has to flee. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in God, well, it's walking in darkness. Put your faith in Jesus today. Right here, right now, God, forgive me. Take me. Lead me. Jesus, be my Lord. Save me. Thank you for cleansing my sin and dying for me. Make me brand new. God, I want you to teach me, develop me, disciple me. I humble myself. I want a new way. I need a new operating system. I need to be led by you. When you pray that, you're born again. And then secondly, here, you're in this place and you're asking God, where, where has it been dark? Even attitude. It could be grumpiness. It could be resentment towards a person, a situation. It could be sexual sin. It could be greed. It could be coveting. It could be gluttony. We try to rank sins, but sin is sin and it's destructive. God, we want to be used in this moment in our life for such a time as this. We want to be used as fine dining in the master's house. We want to set our lives apart. We want to consecrate our lives to have a connection that is uninterrupted with you, God, and with each other. God, will you do what only you can do? You're greater than every situation that's dark. You're greater than every sin. That we want to walk in our identity, God. We want to use our bodies, our life, and our whole being to follow you. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. In this moment, God can reset and repair what was a lifetime of compounding sin, what was generational issues that maybe your parents dealt with, your grandparents dealt with, and you never had the tools or the resources. Well, the first step is just to let God in and say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me. He's so good. He loves us too much to not show us what's wrong. And he loves us too much to not help lead us into a place of further freedom. 
And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe right now that's what God's doing. The light of heaven's turning on in those areas. It might be habits that you didn't think you couldn't break, that today can be broken in the name of Jesus. Attitudes that maybe have become kind of like a weird pet or a blankie from a kid that you just carry around everywhere. And like today, that attitude is broken in the name of Jesus. Because greater is the one who lives in you than the one that lives in the world. And yes, there's a battle. There'll be moments when you're like, oh, I don't even know why I do some of these sins. That's what Paul said. What we crucify our flesh as we take on the mind of Christ. You might also be in this place and feel some unique peace. You might even be almost sleeping listening to my voice. There's been moments I've sat with people in my office and they've shared some really deep things and they almost fall asleep. Why? Because he causes me to lie down. So it's a good thing when you feel that level of like serenity where it's serene and there's a peace that passes all understanding. God, we thank you for the light that's turned on. I pray for your people in this moment that this would be a war against sin and this would be a moment that leads to a movement of a life that is centered around you, a movement of righteousness, a movement to be useful in the master's hands, a movement of holiness and love and purity and peace, a movement of the fruit of the spirit that in this place, that we would repent and God, you would bring forgiveness and lead us. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all that God's people said, amen. Well, here would be kind of the, maybe the antidote to close. You know what worship does? It takes our eyes off ourselves and it looks up at God. The most powerful weapon we often have in the body of Christ is our praise, where we lift up God's name and it turns on the light in whatever situation we have going on and it brings healing and it leads us to deep connection with people and each other. So I wanna invite you to worship. You might wanna come up front. You might wanna put your hand on your heart to let you know that you're in a safe place, that God loves you. You might wanna just sing. I wanna encourage you, use your voice. You might hear me. I, I, I do some ad libs between the songs. I'm like, thank you, Jesus or between the, the lines. Why? Because I'm really thankful. And I, I think God wants to hear my voice. He wants to hear yours. So let's lift up the name that is above every name that gives us connection with God and connection with people. Our God is greater. What a Oh, no.
stand against what I pray that faith would be activated that we would believe that we could set new PRs in holiness that we would experience glory to glory like we've never tasted before that today would be a new milestone in our walks with God that there would be momentum unlike never before. And knowing that today probably brought to the surface a lot for many. You don't have to do life alone. There's many different groups that you could jump in. There will be a team at the Connect Center. I'll be at the Connect Center right after this. If you wanna turn in a prayer request, if you wanna have more conversation, maybe this week you sit at the table with a believer and just say, hey, this might come out clunky, but here's what I'm going through. And that their prayer and you two together could bring healing like never before. Maybe you're watching this online and you want to say, yes, I need deeper connection with God and each other. Just go to the website, click connect. And there's many different resources that you don't have to be alone. The enemy wants to tell us that you're the only one going through it. Lie. We all got stuff we're going through. 
That's why we need each other and that's why we need Jesus. And that's why we come here and we vote with our time and our feet and our energy every Sunday saying, it's only Jesus that can lead us and God help me and make me more like you. So I hope to see you in the connect. If you're in the room, in the hallway, if you wanna talk further or maybe be a part of the team or if there's just anything you wanna experience here more at City Life, we'll be out there. If not, you online, the link's there. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All ages, all races, and all faces, you belong here. We're gonna keep loving this city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus comes back and he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.